Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, It's a phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Introducing Jacob Lethbridge. He's giving us the steps and motivation to take your life back. He's transformed his body, his nutrition, and his mindset. Jacob, welcome. Hi, how are you? Hi, doing great. How about you? Good. I hear that Canadian accent already. (laughs) Well, I hear that American accent already. Love it. (laughs) Touche. I am curious to know what is currently pushing your buttons? Honestly, it's people who are not willing to take action against what they want to do. And then sitting here complaining about it and not taking the action to do it. That is what's currently pushing my buttons. That is really interesting because you have developed a class around teaching people how to take action, essentially. Yep. The how to create an abundance mindset class. It's a course on Udemy. It's great. Like, I love it because it's everything that I used in my own life. And I was like, okay, this works for me. It can work for other people. So I'm just going to turn it into a course because that way it can help other people and I can really see them grow. And, you know, I went through a lot of struggles and, you know, trials, you know, being broke, like all this kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, what can I do? And like through studying personal development, it was just like, okay. If I can do this and it will work for me, I can do something and I can help it work for other people. And that's why I made the course. And you have like 10,000 people that have taken this course, right? Yeah, that one. Yeah. How did that happen? Honestly, it was through giving away the course a lot. So the majority of those are actually just free enrollments just to boost up the numbers. And you know what? I've been so grateful because the people who have been taking the course for free have been leaving back really good feedback. And giving me, you know, opportunities to either change the course or add something new to it. And it's like a good way to get that kind of feedback from people and just see like, okay, well, what did I miss that other people are struggling with right now? Because maybe that's something that I need to focus on. You know, maybe it's something I didn't even think about. So I, that's, that's what I did. And it was great. Yeah. I would love to know like how you put that course together and yeah, some of the tweaks that you've made. Yeah. So the way I put the course together was honestly, I just had ideas in my mind of, okay, here's a course that I want to make. Number one decision, make the decision you want to do it. I was like, I'm going to make a course because my whole motive behind it at first was like, how can I earn a little bit of extra side cash? And then I realized it's much bigger than that. It's not just about the money. It's about the people I can help with it. And I was like, okay, what helped me the most? And I just started writing it down. And honestly, it was like, okay, this is everything. I wrote like maybe like six, 10 pages of just stuff that was helping me, like helping me at the time, like personal development, like reading Think and Grow Rich, reading the success principles, reading all these different books and saying, okay, this is what helped me. And this is what really changed my life. And now if I wanted to turn this into a course, what would be the best you know, way to kind of organize it, then honestly, I can't remember the way it's organized right now, but it probably started with goals and it worked its way down. 
right? Like making that goal, setting that dream goal that you want, and then taking the action steps to get there. And that's what I did. I focused on it and I broke it down into those sections because you can't just do one lump sum video. You have to break it down into sections. And from there, I just kind of looked at what worked for other people, what didn't, and I made some tweaks based on that. So a lot of people were saying they were having issues with, you know, sticking to their goals and creating the habit, right? Which is a big thing for a lot of people. And it's still a big thing for me too, but I realized, okay, maybe there's a worksheet that I can create that can go with the course that can help people create those habits and make them stick. So that's what I did. And I made that and you know what? I haven't got any feedback on it. So I'm hoping that it works and I believe it works because it's what I do. (laughs) And it looks like you have about five worksheets and it's about two hours of content, right? Yeah. That one's a lot longer because it's a lot deeper of a dive into it. The very first one, the paradigm shift, how to retrain your brain for success is really just a very basic entry level into what the law of attraction is, how it works and how I got kind of started in it and everything that kind of built up into my personal development journey, how to create an abundance mindset is a bit more of a deeper dive. It's like part two of that course. And it really goes into how you can use what you maybe learned in the paradigm shift course into action and make it a part of your life with the abundance mindset one. Can you give me any little sneak preview of either of these? Yeah. So in the how to create an abundance mindset, I go through what I call the dream goal model. And I love it because it's basically what I do when I approach any type of goal. So a lot of people, when they make goals, they think of something small, something achievable. And that to me, isn't really a goal because if you know how to get it, you're not stretching yourself far enough. So I always say you need to dream big and dream is an acronym that I created out of various personal development books that I've read and all my teachings and all that kind of stuff. So the D stands for desire. Anything you want, you have to have a desire to get it. Desire, like Napoleon Hill said, is the first step toward riches. And if you don't have a desire for what you want, you're going to lose the motivation and you're not going to want to go after it. The R stands for reason. And this kind of pairs equally with desire because you need to have a strong enough reason why you're going after something. So, you know, for me, a big motivating factor of the reason I do what I do is because of my daughter, because of everything my wife and I have gone through. You know, I want my daughter to grow up knowing that wealth is possible, knowing that abundance is possible, knowing that you can achieve anything you want if you just think that you can do it and you take the action to go after it. Now, E stands for energy. And a lot of people think energy is something we have to get, but energy is actually something that we create. So when you're going through the motions, and this ties in with the next letter A for action, but when you're going through the motions, you actually start to generate the energy that you need to take the action. So a good example of this that I use with a lot of people is when you think about exercise, everyone always complains that they don't have enough energy to exercise. And I'm guilty of this. You know, I put that procrastination hat on all the time and I say, I I don't want to exercise today. But once you start doing it, and you start lifting the weights, maybe you get out, you start jogging, you go, huh, maybe I could go for another five minutes. Maybe I could go for another 10 minutes. You have that energy and you've created that energy within yourself to be able to move forward. So the next one is action. So now we're on to A. 
So when you have the energy, you create the action. I used to say that no one can become a multimillionaire by sitting on their couch, but in this new technolo technological age, pretty well anyone can become a multimillionaire sitting on their couch. But the thing is, the people who create those massive goals and those people who create the massive dreams and they take action toward it, they're the ones who make the big bucks and they're the ones who achieve their goals because there's two types of people who could be sitting on the couch. There's the one who's sitting there with their laptop working toward their goals. And there's the other one who's sitting there on the couch, eating a bag of chips, watching TV while the other one's getting ahead, right? So when you take action, you naturally have the energy. And if you have a strong desire and a strong reason behind why you want to achieve it, that energy will increase and that action will in increase. Now, the last thing in the dream model is the M and that's for measuring your success. So I'm a huge believer in being able to look back and seeing how far I've come, especially because, you know, when I grew up, I had really low self-confidence and I was someone who, you know, wouldn't even speak in front of a classroom because I was too afraid of being judged. I was too afraid that, you know, I would get made fun of. I was afraid that I would get bullied because I was bullied a lot in high school. And ever since then, I was like, okay, I need to make a decision to measure the success that I create. So a good example of this is weight loss. Exercise, really easy for everyone to understand. So when you start exercising, you maybe take that before picture, right? Like for me, before COVID started, I was, I think like 210 pounds. Like I was really, like I was at my heaviest, most unhealthy I've ever been in my life. And I remember I took a picture of myself in the mirror because I knew I would be looking back at that picture and going, wow, look at the progress. So fast forward one year, I'm now 160 pounds in the best shape of my life and feeling good, feeling healthy, and everything is starting to be great. You know, so had I not taken that initial picture to measure my success along the way, you know, it's a little bit harder to see the progress if you don't have somewhere to start with. So I always encourage people take a picture of where you are now. Like you'll see if you're ever on my Instagram or something, you'll see that I have pictures of my studio set up. You know, the, the very first one was in my daughter's playroom. And then, you know, it moved into the closet under the stairs, you know, like Harry Potter, like living under the stairs. That's where I recorded my courses. And now I'm in like a little bit bigger of a room. You can see I'm in like my home gym. I have my weights back there. Um, if you're watching the video version of this, if not, they're right above my right shoulder. You know, it's just gradually moving up, but looking back and measuring that success saying, okay, this is where I started. And now I'm way up here. And this is going great. And I can only imagine what's going to come next. You know, next, I imagine myself in this glorious podcasting studio, you know, just doing it, talking with people all over the world and creating that kind of connection that I never would have thought I had. So that's one thing you'll learn in the How to Create an Abundance Mindset course. I love that. I actually saw a video of you and is it your daughter, Maddie? Yep. On YouTube. That was really sweet where she was surrounded by sunflowers and you were talking about mm -hmm. that beautiful moment. I liked that. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I try my best every single day to encourage her to think outside the box, to be creative and understand that anything is really possible if she wants it to happen. And, you know, there are limitations, of course, you know, we we're human beings, like I can't just pick myself up and fly by myself, 
you know, maybe I get like a jet pack in the future or something. We just, I just don't know how to do it yet, but that's not something I want. Like, I don't really care. I'm fine walking, but you know, I always encourage my daughter to think big. If she says, well, I want this. It's like, well, why don't you want like five of them? You know, why not? It's all available. Everyone I talk to, I remember, this is actually funny. I remember in my last job, I worked at a bank and I remember people were talking about, you know, how, how great it would be to have like a million dollar house and just to have a million dollars. And I said, why would you settle for a million when you could have 10 or a hundred or whatever the number is? And they said, well, I'm never even going to get to, you know, half of that. So why would I even think about a million? Because it takes no less effort to think big than it does to think small, right? Like I can say, think about what you would do with a million dollars right now. And so many of you listening, I mean, a million dollars isn't a lot of money these days anymore, but like, imagine if you had $10 million, what, what kind of things would you spend with that? What would you buy? Where would you go? What would you do? See, you can think about it and you're thinking, you're imagining yourself. What would I do with that? Would I go on vacation? Maybe I'd travel over to Europe. Maybe I'd go on a Caribbean vacation. But what if I said, what would you do if I gave you $10? You'd probably say, well, maybe I go buy a lottery ticket. Maybe I'll win that 10 million. <laughs> and then it'll get taxed for half of the amount, but that <laughs> only if you're in America. But if you have that $10, see how you could think on two opposite spectrums here. I said, think about what you do with 10 million. You thought about it. No problem. I said, think about what you do with $10. You probably had a million more reasons or a million more items that you could buy with that $10 than the million or the 10 million. But it took no more effort to think about either side, right? So I always encourage people, think as big as you want, because even if you get, you know, a third of the way, you know, if you get up to a million dollars, you're thinking about what you could do for a million dollars, a third of the way is like 300 grand which is a lot farther than you would be if you thought about the $10, which would only be about three bucks, right? So I encourage people think big because at least if you shoot big and you miss, at least you're a lot farther than you were when you were thinking small. Can we shift to when you were thinking small and when you weren't able to be happy when you were experiencing some of your harder chapters, like being broke or having a hard time finding jobs. And the biggest tragedy was you've lost a child. How were you able to then be a husband? I heard you talk about even think positively, celebrate what you could celebrate. I mean, that to me seems un fathomable. I mean, as a mom of four kids. That's, that's a really good point. And we'll talk about the death of my son first, because it was a big kind of starting point to my personal growth journey from that point. And then we'll go into my little bit harder, you know, make it seem like we'll put the worst first and we'll go back down. So in 2016, my son passed away just shortly after my wife and I got married. We went on our honeymoon, we came back and that's when, you know, shit hit the fan and we were, you know, in and out of the hospital for weeks before he finally passed away. It was such a hard, hard time. Like no parent should ever have to go through that. Like it's bad enough, like even seeing your child sick, but being in a position of helplessness and sitting there saying like begging for the nurses and doctors to do something to save his life. And it didn't happen. But through my spiritual practice, 
through the personal development journey that I had been on since 2013, I felt like I could handle it better because I had known that and I've ingrained in myself that any bad situation carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. And that's from Thinking Grow Rich. And I've, I've always held on to that, that no matter what bad thing happens, something good will be birthed out of it. Something good will come out of whatever bad thing is happening. I remember sitting there, you know, my wife was laying on the hospital bed. I was sitting in the chair and just, they said he wasn't going to make it. She had to deliver him. He didn't make it. And they went to go, you know, clean him up and all that kind of stuff. They gave us this really beautiful plaque thing with like his footprints and his handprints on it. And they made this beautiful, beautiful thing. And, you know, a lot of people donate to the hospital for these kind of things because, you know, it's something that happens to a lot of parents and a lot of people don't like to talk about it. But I believe that the best way to heal is to talk and to get this open. When it happened, I just remember sitting there asking myself three questions. What good is here that I cannot see? What can I give? And what can I celebrate? And now you might be thinking that why in the hell would you be asking yourself those kinds of questions? Like here you are, you know, you're holding your, your dead son in your hands and you're asking yourself what you can celebrate. Like what, like, are you insane? Are you psychotic? No. The answer is when you shift yourself from negative thinking into positive thinking, you make a shift in your brain. And when you do that, that shift determines the direction you go. So for me, I was faced with a choice there. I could either let this bad circumstance happen. There's nothing I could do to change it, right? Like he was, he was passed away. I'm holding him. There's nothing I could do to bring him back at this point. I'm someone who believes that we are just spiritual beings living in physical bodies. So I knew that although he was not here with me physically, he was here with me spiritually. I knew he was okay. You know, he's transitioning, whatever it was. I didn't really think that at the time, but I asked myself, what good is here that I cannot see? And when I did that, I started to look for good things. Number one, my wife was still alive. Number two, we had free healthcare because I live in Canada. We had free healthcare and we had the best team of doctors and nurses around because fortunately we live near one of Southern Ontario's best children's hospitals. You know, that for me was enough just to say, okay, this is starting the process of finding good things. Number two was what can I give? And in that moment, the only thing that I could give was my love, my support, and my strength to my wife to help get her through it because she was there. She didn't know what was going on. She had to physically go through it, which is so much, I can't even imagine what that would be like. I mean, I was sitting there on the outside looking at it thinking like, I'm just helpless here, but she was the one who had to live through it. You know, whatever she wanted, I got for her. I gave whatever I could. I gave thanks to the doctors and nurses for trying their best, for doing what they could. Lastly, I asked myself, what can I celebrate? Because that's a question that, that's the question that always trips up everyone because you think, what can you celebrate in a moment like this? And when I thought of that, I instantly went back. I went back to the time, like the 23 weeks that we had with him. And he was 23 weeks along in the pregnancy when he passed away. So he wasn't born yet. So he was just in gestation. During the time that my wife was pregnant with him, we got to experience some things we never had done before. You know, we went to go see Phantom of the Opera, something we had never 
in our lives even had the money for, but we were gifted tickets. We went on our honeymoon, we got married, you know, and I always, even to this day, since my wife was pregnant with him at the time, I still to this day say that he was my best man because he was right there next to me, closer than anyone could have been other than my wife. <laughs> Close enough there. So these are things that I could celebrate. And, you know, he got to come on our honeymoon to Aruba. You know, how many of you parents out there bring your kids on your honeymoons? Like, let's be real. <laughs> and how many of you want to bring your kids on your honeymoon? <laughs> but when I ask myself questions like that, you know, it put me in a more positive mindset instead of saying, you know, disempowering questions like, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? Why is God punishing me? Those kind of questions just dig you down deeper and they don't let you, they don't start the healing process. They put you more in a victim mindset and a victim mentality. There was nothing I could have done to save his life. I'm not a medically trained doctor. I couldn't have done anything to save his life more than what I did. I did the best I could with what I had at the time. You know, looking back at it now, had he been born, he could have been born with a disability that we couldn't have managed. He could have been born with not being functional. Like he could have, like, who knows, like what could have happened? Like he could have been born, been on a ventilator and then died, you know, later, which would have been even worse because then we would have experienced having him as a baby or, you know, he could have had medical complications that would have caused him to pass away like later in life or in and out of the hospital on breathing tubes all this time. You know, it's, all of these kind of things that could have happened, but they didn't. So I think, and I like to convince myself that his passing made way for my daughter to come through two years later. Had he not passed away in the way he did, you know, my wife was told by the specialists that she could not physically have children. And we were told, you know, we went to, what are those people called? Like the IVF people, the fertility specialists. And they wanted to charge us some outrageous amount of money, like $25,000 to try it. And he's like, you have 30% chance that it'll actually stick. And I'm like, number one, I don't have anywhere near that kind of money. <laughs> number two, I was like, I didn't like the way the guy was dressed. He was like sitting there. He had, I, I know you can't see this, but he had this V-neck, this deep V-neck on and his chest hair was just emanating from it. And you know, he was like the most trying to be suave, cool guy. I was like, there's no way in hell this guy's getting anywhere near my money or my bodily fluids. I said, you know what, Steph, that's my wife's name. I said, Steph, if we're going to do this, if we want a kid, we're going to do it naturally. And we're going to have a happy, healthy baby and a happy, healthy pregnancy. I said, if that's what you want, you need to repeat that day in and day out. I am so happy and grateful now that I'm experiencing a happy, healthy, full-term pregnancy. And she did that every single day through eight miscarriages until we finally had our little rainbow baby who's sleeping in the room right behind me. And you know, thankfully, <laughs> but congratulations. You know oh my Thank God. You. That is a long journey. Yeah, it was heart-wrenching and it was trying so many times throughout the course of the next two and a half years, but here we are. We oh my God. Happy, I've had daughter. two miscarriages myself. So I know what that's like on a hormonal level. It is hell <laughs> <laughs> and you're smiling. I mean, I <laughs> that is a lot to go through. Yeah. You know, I could always say, you know, like I've been through hell and I've faced it and I've come out stronger on the other side. 
Because, you know, like I said earlier, when bad things happen, they happen for a reason. I believe everything happens in perfect timing, in divine timing. So no matter what happens in my life, if it's bad, it'll only be bad for this, for this time. And then it will get better. If something bad happens to me, I have the option to respond or react to it. If I react to it, I'm just going fast. And I'm saying, okay, this happened, I'm going to panic. If I respond to it, I can see that a bad thing is happening. So let's take, for example, when I lost my job, I lost my job. It happened. Great. I could react. I could say, I hate this company. They, they treated me like crap. They did all this. They stressed me out, like screw them. Or I could respond to it and say, okay, I've learned what I needed to from that job. They gave me however many good years, and now I can get a new, better opportunity. They weren't suited for me. I wasn't suited for them. We grew apart, whatever. I left that job. Now I'm in an even better job that treats me well. I can work from home. I can be at home with my daughter and I'm learning so many new things. So that's why, you know, and it was a nine month process. It wasn't just like, okay, I quit my job. And then the next day I got a new one working from home and doing exactly what I love to do. No, it was a nine month process where we almost had to get lawyers involved and it was just madness. And I just had complete faith. I was like, I will have a new job by the time I quit this one. So I was technically still employed throughout all of COVID, but I was on a leave of absence because I was on stress leave because it was that bad. You know, it was so funny. I got an email from the manager that said, you have until this date or you're going, you know, or we're going to take action to do something. I was like, whatever, you know, at this point I was just so done with it. And then wouldn't you know it that week, the HR person was away. And the following Monday, I get a job offer from the current job that I'm at. And I was like, I knew it. I knew this would happen. I, you know, when you just release the expectation of things not going your way, good things start to happen. You know, I always say that people who are grateful for what they have, have more to be grateful for. So when you focus on gratitude, you stop focusing on all the bad things that are going on in your life you will start to attract more good things into your life because you attract into your life, you attract into your life what you think about primarily and what you vibe with. A lot of people talk about vibe and they talk about be on a higher vibration. I didn't know what that meant for the longest time. I was like, what the hell does that mean? How, like, what do I got to jiggle myself around here? Like, what is happening? What does high vibe mean? But now I realize it. High vibe just means that you are in a state of being where you have released all negative expectations and you feel what you want to experience. So let me give you an example. I wanted to get a new car. Okay. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to afford this. Like I want, but I want a new car. Okay. I was like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to afford this, but I was like, I need to raise up my vibe so I can attract the money that I need. And actually, you know what? This is a better example. Let me talk about money because there have been so many times when I have been completely broke and there have been some times when I've had an affluent amount of money, but the times I've been broke are the times that have built me and that have helped raise my vibe. So let's talk about that. I remember in university going into RBC to check my account and, you know, they handed me the slip and it had zeros all across it. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to pay rent this month. And I'm not going to get groceries and I'll have to like salvage for food somehow. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But 
you know, this is the, before I knew about the law of attraction, before I knew about raising my vibe and stuff. Something my wife and I have always, always said to each other is that money will always be there when we need it. And wouldn't you know it, it's the last week before rent is due. And out of nowhere, we both get grants from the university. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, I don't even remember applying to this. Oh, we went and talked to the financial aid. They're just like, oh, every student who gets enrolled here has a chance to win this one. And wouldn't you know, it was the exact amount we needed for rent and for groceries. We're like, great. Okay. That's one week down. Now we got another four. How are we going to make it to next month? (laughs) But this is something that I've lived by. And, you know, I believe that if we can connect to our higher selves, you know, whether that be through meditation, through walking, I find that meditation is the best way to do it. But if you can connect with your higher self, you can raise your vibe and you can feel what it's like to experience that. Let me break that down. When you focus on lack, you will attract more lack. When you focus on and open yourself up to the possibilities to say, okay, I need, say, $800. Number one, start thinking about the ways you can create that. Number two, when you think of a good idea, start taking action on it because the universe rewards action. And number three, release all doubt. So don't say, okay, well, you know, I need $800, but I don't think I could get it. Or I need $800, but you know, that's a big amount for me to get. I don't know if I can do it. Self-doubt will kill you faster than anything else. If you don't believe in yourself, you're, you're done for. Like you have got to believe in yourself. So when we were in that situation, looking back at it now, we had the expectation that the money would arrive by the end of the month. And it did. You know, we didn't think it's not going to come in. You know, we didn't think that, oh, well, we're going to be homeless. We always knew that there was a way to do it. We were both working two jobs at the time. Like I was working at Walmart, Swish LA. She was working at a movie theater and somewhere else. I can't remember. But like we had the, we had money coming in, but it was always going to other things. You know, our cars broke down all the time, you know, because, you know, who has a good car when you're in, you know, university? Like we had like a 93 Buick. Buick, a 93 Buick Century that my dad gave me, and it was not doing good. Like we went over a speed bump and it cracked the engine block. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was not good, but I was grateful for it. And you know what? My dad, he's like, the, he's the absolute best. Like he went and he got me a new car for like whatever we, I think it was like an $800 as is Cavalier. And at the time we lived about four and a half, five hours away from him because we lived up in Sudbury and he drove that car with his friend all the way up to us so that my wife and I would have a car. And he stayed overnight at a hotel. He didn't really have the money to do that, but he did it because he knew that I needed a car and that it was important to me. Like he got it the very next day after I told him that century broke down. And, you know, like, I love my dad for that. Like anytime you need him, he will be there. It wouldn't matter the time of day, time of night. If I say, dad, I need help. He will be there. And I've always admired that about him. And that's the kind of person I want to be. The kind of person that just helps like selflessly, you know, kind of bring in the whole story back to raising your vibe. Like just be a good person, expect that good things will happen and they will always work out. Good things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people too, but good things happen because the people who expect good things to happen, expect it. 
You know, like if you talk to anyone who's had any level of, of success, they don't say that they planned for the worst. They always plan for the best. And usually the best is what happens. Yes, bad things happen from time to time. I get that. But if you focus on the good, anything bad that's happening is there to teach you something. And that's something that I believe. If something bad happens, like for example, I did a recording the other day where my mic was plugged into the wrong USB. Like it was in the wrong USB cord. My audio sounded like absolute garbage. And I was like, okay, bad thing happened. I can't change it. I'm not going to redo the interview because it was still a good interview with someone. Now I know, don't plug it into that one next time. <laughs> Sometimes all you need to do is just look at your situation from the outside in and say, okay, this bad thing is happening. What can I learn from it? You know, stop asking yourself disempowering questions like, why is this happening to me? Okay, what can I learn from this? Where can I grow? Who can I help using this? And you're going to notice dramatic changes and shifts in your life. And you're going to raise that vibration that I was talking about earlier. I'm curious, like what rough patches people have come to you with? How have you been able to help people? That's a great question. A lot of people come to me, honestly, with like mindset things, like they can't seem to change their mindset to think positively, you know, because a lot of people are really stuck in, you know, low self-confidence in, you know, pain from the past. That's what a lot of people come to, me. you know, people have come to me, you know, like trying to find new jobs and, you know, how do I increase my income and, you know, the, the basic surface level things. But I always say like anything you want externally, you have to heal internally first. So if you can get your mind right, and if you can train yourself to think in the positive, like I was talking about, you will create a better outside and a better external life for yourself. So for example, one person, she was coming to me and saying like, I just feel like no matter what I do, I can never succeed. And I said, okay, that's, that's a pretty big thing. Like let's, let's deconstruct this a little bit and find out like where this started. And she said that she always feels like she's the extra. She's always doing the tasks that she doesn't want to do or that nobody wants to do, but she gets, she gets them. I said, okay, number one, let's look at the way you're thinking. Stop victimizing yourself. You've built this story around your life where you are always the secondhand character. And I'm a huge, like, I love stories. Like I love playing Dungeons and Dragons. I love playing all these like adventure things because I love to be the hero. And who doesn't love to be the hero in their own life? But a lot of people get stuck playing, you know, like an NPC, like a non-player character or like an extra in their own movie, right? But here's the thing. Once you start to understand that you are the one that's in control of your own life, that no is a complete sentence, a lot of people get stuck because they say yes to everyone else instead of saying no to the things they don't want to do. And this was something that I was stuck in for a super long time. So this is why I can relate to people. I was always trying to be the people pleaser. So when I was in high school, I'll take it back to there because it's a really easy example. I was bullied a lot. You know, I would walk into gym class and people would literally throw basketballs at me because they didn't want me in there. <laughs> like it was crazy. So you know, from that, I always built this complex of myself, like that I'm not good enough, that I need to become super strong. I need to become really popular. I need to be, be this and be that, you know, externally so that people would accept me for who I am. But that's not the way it works. What the way it works is if you can love yourself. And I didn't learn this until three or four years ago, 
that, and like really learned it until this past year that if you're not confident in who you are in your, your, in your own uniqueness, in your own authentically unique brilliantness, then you're always going to let someone else dictate the way you live your life. And that's not a place that you probably want to be right. Because you don't want someone, you know, guilt tripping you into going to this dinner or guilt tripping you into going to wherever you're going. You want people to say, I respect your decision. I understand that you don't want to do this and I still love you. See, for me, I was always stuck in this position of, I need to try and please everyone so that they'll like me. And that's not a good place to be because when you do that, you get taken advantage of. And I remember, you know, there was years that when we didn't have any money, this was a time when we had like $100 a week and we budgeted that $100 like you wouldn't believe. You know, it was like, okay, this meat is three cents cheaper than this other meat. So we're going to get this one. Oh man, we have to go drive out here. That's $20 in gas money. That's $20 out of our grocery budget. You know, so we were at a point where we and I never said no to people. So I was spending weekends driving maybe an hour or two every weekend to go see our friends who we're not really friends with anymore. And they would never come up to see us. So we would be spending the gas money every weekend and we didn't have it. But I was in such a, you know, an external people pleasing kind of state that I said, I have to do this. Otherwise they're going to stop being my friends. And guess what? When I stopped doing it, they stopped being my friends. So that's a lesson to anyone who's watching this. Find out who your real friends are. If you tell them no, they'll still like you. They'll still love you. And I remember when I first started on this self-love journey, you know, I constantly told myself, like, I'm a huge believer in the power of your words. And I constantly would tell myself, Jacob, you are a one of a kind magnificence. You are a one of a kind uniqueness, a one of a kind brilliance here on this earth to help serve people. And when you like, I'm getting chills just saying that right now, because, Ooh, man, that's spicy. So when you say that, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you can say it to, you can even say it to your spouse. Like I say it to my, to Maddie and my wife all the time. Like, you know, Steph, you are a one of a kind magnificence. You are a one of a kind brilliance, a one of a kind uniqueness here on this planet to, you know, make joy, to make happiness, to create life. Like you've made a beautiful daughter, like you are uniquely you. And guess what? This applies to everyone listening because you are unique. You are a one of a kind, magnificent, 7 billion people on this planet. And there's only one of you. So be the creator of your own life, be the hero of your story and stop letting other people dictate the way you should live your life. That is major fire. How does your daughter react to that? I mean, you must just see her shine. Honestly, she usually just whoops and pretends she's a dog. (laughs) Um But other times she'll smile and she'll dance and then we'll have a dance party and then we'll just have a great time. But she's, uh, she's just, you know, she's uniquely her, you know, and that's, that's the thing I love about her. Can you talk about what it was like becoming a dad and, and that day that you watched her come into this world? It was the absolute best feeling I've ever had in my life. Like I love being a dad to my daughter and I will always be here. I will always protect her. I will do whatever it takes to make sure that she's happy, safe, protected, 
and confident in herself. The first moments that she came into this world were like, that's a Madison. As soon as she came out, we're like, yep, that face that she had when she came out, that like petrified face of like, what the hell is going on here? And I'm so glad I snapped a picture of it because it is like so funny. And it's just, it's perfectly her. Like it fits her perfectly. And she's just like the most unique expression of soul. Like she's so kind and positive and happy all the time. And, you know, has this brilliant imagination and this wonderful intuitive side where, you know, it's wild because she said that she can see Scott running around and it's just like, we never told her about this. We always just said, you know, you have a brother up in heaven, but then she started, you know, now that she's getting older, she's like, oh yeah, Scott was in my room the other night and we were playing. And it's like, okay, that's great. And I encourage her to explore that side of her intuitive gift because, you know, children are so close to that level of the ethereal that they can connect with it more. They haven't been brainwashed to say that spirits aren't real, that, you know, there's no such thing as the soul who's outside. So they don't know. So they accept it and they don't fully know how to comprehend it. But if you can build that within them, they'll grow up to understand it more. I actually wanted to ask you your thoughts around what do you think the difference between a dream and a vision is? So I think that's a really great question. And I think it, there's a big difference. The, I think a dream is more of like, what personally do you want? You know, like for me, yes, I want the Aston Martin. I want the McLaren. I want, you know, I want a whole lineup of sports cars outside my garage. And I want to be able to travel the world with my friends and my family and just say, hey guys, let's hop on a private jet. I'm going to take you guys to you know, Aruba for a month, you know, don't worry about your jobs. I got you covered for this month. Doesn't matter. I'll pay your mortgage, you know, to have that kind of liquidity in my income to say, you want, you need a new car. I'll buy you one. You know, that's the dream. The vision on the other hand is more globally focused. What can I do to help humanity and make the world a better place? And when I focus on the vision, I create the dream. And when you focus on helping other people, And like Zig Ziglar said, if you help enough people get what they want, enough people will help you get what you want. So creating the vision is externally. How can I help other people? Having the dream is, okay, what do I want materially because I'm creating this vision? Does that make sense? I love that. Yeah. So what's the vision? My vision? I want to globally raise the consciousness of people and help them understand that you can turn negative situations into positive outcomes. I want to help inspire people to really take control of their own narrative, write their own story and say, you know what, I'm done being a victim. I'm ready to take control of my pen. I'm ready to take my sword. I'm ready to take whatever, whatever a hero looks like to you and bring that out. I want to help you create that life. And I want to inspire people to understand that when you live authentically and you be yourself, the person that God made you to be or whoever you believe in made you to be that you can create a brilliant life for yourself. We don't have that long here on earth. And if I've learned anything from Scott's passing is we never know how long that time really is. He had 23 weeks. I have, who knows? It could be tomorrow. It could be, I hope it's not tomorrow, but I, <laughs> I know I hope and I expect to live a long, healthy life. While I'm here on this earth, I just want to experience everything that it has to offer. And I want to help other people understand that they can have that too. Just because 
you might be in a bad situation right now doesn't mean that you can't get out of it. I've been in bad situations. I've come through it. I've walked through the fire and I've lived. So if I can do it, you can do it too. And every person's situation is unique. I understand that. But I also want you to understand that if you can start to take control of your mind and you can start to really turn the page and write that new story of how you want your life to be, you will create an amazing life for yourself. And I just want to help people do that. I want to see people succeed. I want to see people grow. I want to see them, you know, enjoy life. I love seeing people smile. I love seeing people happy and just saying, you know, Jake, this is what I did. And I can like, I will never in my life, if someone comes up to me and says, Jake, I did this accomplishment, whatever it is, I will never say, well, why didn't you do this? I will congratulate you wholeheartedly. I don't care if it's, I lost one pound this week. Congratulations. Good. You're on your way to your goals. You're on your way to whatever you want. I'm so proud of you. That's really what I want. I just want to see less hate in the world and more happiness. And I know that's a pretty tall order (laughs) to fill, especially with everything going on right now. But I really believe that if we can come together as a human race and just say like, how can we all help each other? How can we build? How can we create a better future for ourselves, for our children, for our grandchildren, instead of focusing on little tiny things that are inconveniencing us? I think we can make a difference. And I think we can make this life everything we want it to be. Don't you think it starts kind of with our immediate relationships? It can, but I always believe that it's, it has to be the relationship with yourself first. You could be like, I am fortunate. So I can't really speak too much on this. I'm fortunate. I've been in a very loving relationship since I've been 15. Like I married my high school sweetheart. It's been 16 years now. Having low self-confidence, low self-esteem, low belief in yourself will hurt you more than anything because you have to build up the confidence to get out of that negative relationship, get out of that negative job, get out of that stressful you know, home life, whatever it is, and find a way to make it work. And if you don't believe in yourself enough and you don't have enough confidence in yourself, you're never going to take the action to move out of there, to get out of that bad situation. And believe me, I've been there. I've been in situations where I was so stressed out and I was so focused on something externally. For example, one of my jobs that I was at, I was so heavily dependent on the income that I was getting from that job that I felt like I had no escape. And it was stressful. Like it's what made me put on all that weight and made me get up to 210 pounds and be so unhealthy. Like I'm talking like getting out of breath, going up the stairs unhealthy. It was just such a bad time. And I didn't see an escape. Okay. I, I couldn't physically see a way to get out of it. You know, we had just had Maddie at the time. My wife was off work, so she wasn't getting any money. We had rent to pay and rent is astronomical. I was like, I'm stuck. Like I can't go apply for another job because I'm, I have to pay the bills. I have to pay the rent. I have to do all this stuff, but I was stuck. And I didn't believe in myself enough to say, I'm going to risk it. And I'm not saying quit your jobs right now, people. I'm saying, believe in yourself. And because this was a process. And I said to myself, I have to believe in myself. And I started doing that deep work again. You know, personal development, personal growth is something that you don't just do once. You don't just read a self-help book and then you're on your way and you're, you're healed. Self-work and personal development is something you have to continuously do. And as you continuously progress forward, new challenges will come up, new things will come up where you have to push yourself past that. And for me, I was at a space 
where I didn't believe in myself. You know, my managers, my employer had beat me down to such a point mentally and spiritually that I just couldn't see a way out. And I was, I felt trapped until COVID came where I had to be home. And I made the choice then to say, I'm going to be home for my wife and daughter because I want to protect them. I always say family comes first and I'm not going to put myself in a position where I I am exposed to the public at the time when all of this was just starting and we didn't know what it was and people were freaking out. You know, I made the decision to stay home and was it a risk? Yeah, it was. But at that point I had built up just enough, just enough spark to say, I can do this. And I used that time to start getting into shape. I used that time to start applying to jobs. And I applied to a job in, I think it was May. And I didn't get a call back until September for that job, which is the job I have now. And it's, you know what? The universe works in brilliant ways. And when you believe it and you hold faith and you say, this is what's going to happen in my life. I need a change. And you do the work, then you put it in and you prove to the universe that yes, I can do this. Or you're just so damn persistent that the universe just says, all right, fine, take it. (laughs) And that's honestly the way that I seem to manifest anything. I'm just so persistent. I just keep going after it and after it and after it. And then it's just like, okay, fine, take it. You deserve it now. Take it. I'm done playing these games. But when you start to believe in yourself enough, even just a little bit to say, I'm going to reach out for help today. I'm going to find someone who can help me. Maybe there's someone who's been through this. Maybe I'll just look up a way out. Maybe someone else has gone through this before. Just take the first step. You don't have to go all the way out. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's the most cliche thing someone can say here, but you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So just take that first step, lay that first brick and start taking the action to believe in yourself. Maybe it's just looking in the mirror and saying, you know what? I am magnificent. I am brilliant. I'm a unique, one of a kind individual. I am God living in me, whatever your faith is, whatever you believe, and just start there. Look yourself dead in the eye in the mirror and just say, I am brilliant. I am enough. I am golden light. I am creative. I am confident. I am, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you feel that you need. And, you know, you'll start to see a change if you do it over and over again. I remember I bought myself a little meditation bead. It snapped. So I was like, okay, I guess I don't need that anymore. And I remember because it was on my wrist and I would just go through the beads one at a time. You know, I would spend, you know, I think there was probably about 30 beads on there. And I would spend maybe five minutes, you know, on every break that I had and just say each bead, you know, I am enough. I'm confident. I am creative. I am, you know, self-worthy. I am, you know, excellent. I am whatever it was. And I would just repeat whatever affirmation it was 30 times. And I would just sit there and I would do it. I would do it in my mind so no one else would hear me, think I'm crazy. That's the small first step that I did. And there's honestly been times when I've been in bed and I just didn't feel like getting out. You know, I feel like other people have been there too. Maybe you're in a state of like depression or something. And, you know, you just feel like there's no escape from this torment that you're in. And that's okay. Understand that you're in that space right now because you're there to learn something. You know, the universe is trying to teach you something. Maybe it's to slow down. You know, we live in a crazy, hectic world. Maybe you just need to slow down a little bit. Just take that first step. Like I'm not a clinical psychologist or anything like this. So for me, when I got myself out of depression, it started with even just getting out of bed and taking a shower. 
from there, I said, okay, now I've taken a shower. Maybe I can go downstairs and get something to eat. Or maybe I can, you know, maybe I can go outside for a walk and just slowly building up, having that process and just saying, man, I did this today and create that victory log, you know, back to measuring the success, write that victory log. That's something I encourage all of my clients, all of the people I talk to to do is write a victory log. Good things that happened to me today. doesn't matter if it's one thing, you know, maybe lady smiled at me on the bus. I don't know. Someone held the door open for me. I paid for somebody's coffee today, whatever, you know, whatever it is, just say, okay, this is the good things that happened to me today. This is what made me feel good. So then when you're not feeling good later, you can go back to your list and read it and say, okay, wow, maybe I should do some of these things again. And you'll notice a great change happen in your life. That's really beautiful. I love that. Is there anything that you would like to ask my dad? What would be your best advice for raising a daughter as she gets older? Yeah, that's a good one. I'm sure he will have lots to say on that. (laughs) I'm sure he will. As he's still doing that and I'm just turned 42. So, (laughs) oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to let you promote away, let people know how they can find your YouTube channel and your class and anything you have upcoming. Great. Yeah. So the best way to reach me is through Instagram. You can find me at Jacob Lethbridge, just my name, super simple at Jacob Lethbridge. I'm pretty lucky that I have almost all my social channels like that too. So YouTube, Jacob Lethbridge, LinkedIn, Jacob Lethbridge, Facebook. I just started a new group. I'm also launching a new podcast called the authentically inspired podcast. So that's coming pretty soon. So you can find the Facebook group there, facebook.com slash groups, authentically inspired podcast. You can find me at my website, jacoblethbridge.com. If you want to find my courses, they're all on there as well. Or you can head over to Udemy and you can just search my name, Jacob Lethbridge. I have, I think, four courses active right now. One teaches you how I lost 40 pounds of fat during COVID. So if you're looking to get into shape for the new year, that's a great option. Also over 10,000 students enrolled. Or you can dive deeper into the mindset and go into the how to create an abundance mindset course. I love all the action you've taken. Very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's switch it over to grandpa. You had a very nice interview with Jacob, with Rena. Let's give him credit. He's taking control of his life. Here's a young man that really has married his sweetheart from high school. Uh, He was picked on in high school. Uh, He had issues with his weight. He was uh, always told about things he couldn't do, and he took charge of his life. He lost maybe 50 pounds and has documented his struggles and has been able to take control by loving himself, by being positive, by accomplishing something. And it doesn't have to be huge steps. It can be a step at a time. And he's now made a course where he tries very hard to help other people take that first step forward and take positive steps. And even with the loss of a child, still being thankful, still trying to understand that mistakes and things go wrong in our lives, but it's to make you tougher, to make you stronger. It's to overcome some of the low points because there's so many high points in our lives that can be accomplished if we have the right attitude. And being positive, being in a position where we don't let things really get us down and we surround ourselves with positive people and we take that first step forward, take another step and another step, good things happen. 
Good things happen if we work hard at making them happen. I think that that's the story of Jacob, and he's trying to share his course and his experience with other people. I think that's wonderful. That's the right thing to do. All of us should take that lesson that we don't have to take giant steps to accomplish things. Set your dreams high, set your goals high, and then take steps toward those goals so that you always have a chance to accomplish more. Shoot for the stars, which is something that I told my daughter when she was younger, that she could accomplish anything and to have also high goals and aspirations that she can accomplish anything. And I still believe that today. That's sweet. What happens when you want to get off the treadmill or you want to quit the job or you want to quit the relationship? Then what, though? Well, that's the thing. You always need someone there in your corner to encourage you when you're having a bad day because it's certainly easy to quit. It's easy to give up. That's easy to do. What's hard is to be able to make a comeback and to pick yourself off the mat and come back for more. And sometimes it's more punishment first, but once you take yourself off the mat and you take that first step forward and you sometimes you just have to get out of the bed, as Jacob said. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Hold up. 